Good morning. Let me look at you guys. Wow. That's a lot of eyeballs. Um, but, you know, Advent season, we've been uh, looking at the songs surrounding Jesus' birth um, through the Gospel of Luke. Mary's song, Zachariah's song, Gabriel's song, and then this morning, um, Simeon's song, the final song, the song that ends all songs. Not really. But uh, before we look at Simeon's song, it would be good for us to have context. Context not only in the passage that we're going to be reading from, but the larger context of the season that we are in. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent, love. So we have these themes that we get to tie in together this morning. And um, I want to help us remember um, some very true things this morning about us, about life, about God. Um, most of you know uh, I'm a musician. I play music. I write music. Um, there's always music playing in my home. Um, our home is producing musicians, right? That's, that's what we do. In fact, I was told while I was in the womb, my father would take headphones and put them on my mom's stomach and pump in music, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, he wanted songs. He was playing songs that he wanted um, a developing fetus to know, right? <laughs> he wanted, he wanted uh, me to hear songs that meant something to him. I wish, well, I can't say that they were sophisticated music genres like classical or jazz. It was more like uh, Van Halen and, <laughs> and uh, Pink Floyd, which isn't bad. It's, it's good, but, um, <laughs> but even that, that wasn't the first thing my developing ears heard. All of us, the first thing we hear in the womb, including Christ, including Jesus, is the rhythm and the beat of a heart, right? And the breath <sighs> entering our mother's lungs. We could hear all that. That's what is developing our sound. And, and I, um, I want us to remember that because while we are looking at these passages, Try to listen for the heartbeat of God in these, in these songs. Listen to the breath, where his life is coming out of, right? So, <clears throat> as revealed in our sacred scripture, God is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a perfect communion of three, an infinite loving relationship that out of this creator, all things were loved into being. In other words, um, the entirety that's this universe is relational. Um, we observe that reality when we look in a microscope or a telescope. When we start seeing that pattern, that truth with, with protons and neutrons and atoms. I'm not a scientist. I just read smart people. You know, I say what they say in my words. But, uh, and we also, when we look through telescopes, we see like planets and stars and galaxies, they're in orbit of each other, right? They're in relationship to each other and they're in relationship to everything else as we know it. See, and then we also see this in biology. So I'm gonna quote this guy's work, it's pretty cool, he's a biologist, Robert Lanza, demonstrates in his work what we all know in our hearts to be true, that the universe is created by life 
and not the other way around. Holy Scripture tells us that God is the creator and God is love. So, which means we could trace our DNA back. We can trace our origins back from coming out of a loving relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That this God said, this is a God who said, let us make man in our image. I want us to remember this because sometimes we forget where we come from, or sometimes we're not told in plain words that the original song that sang us into existence was a love song. C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, The Magician's Nephew, captures this idea when Aslan is, Aslan, Aslan is said, as Aslan sings the dawn. I'm going to read some of that. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice began to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory found it hard to decide from which direction it was coming. Sometimes it, it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath him. Its lower tones were deep enough to be the voice of the earth herself. There was no words. It was hardly a tune, but it was beyond comparison. The most beautiful sound he has ever heard. It was so beautiful, he could hardly bear it. I spent, I'm going to grab my, I spent many years in the dark listening to the disordered sounds of sin, the poisonous tones of shame, and believing that that was the soundtrack of my life, that my origins were found in those maladies of dis distortion and disconnection. But the truth that I found and that I know today, and it's true for all of us, the truth is nothing could stop the love song of God. When God sings over his children, he sings songs of deliverance. He sings songs of life and promises that will be fulfilled and last forever. We all come into this love song of God at different measures and times and points, but precisely where God wants us to come in. Like a grand director, he will pull us in, right? He'll signal us exactly where we're supposed to. See, the song of God isn't that, that, that begin, that sing this world into being. It's not just background music like when you're at a doctor's office, right? It's just back there or in the elevator. No, um, it's not like even a, and we're learning this, like a school song that you inherit. Like, oh, you're here for this season. This is, where, this is our fight song. We sing that. It's not, it's not like that either. See, our God is a loving father who desires to be close to his children, to dwell with them, to be known by them, and to know them. So this seems risky for us. Um, but God includes our voice and our song 
in his. Not only do we have a part to sing and a place to sing from, he is so good, he personalizes his song with ours. And we could see this, and I know you could hear it when Timothy read the, the, the gospel, that God had this redemptive song and he personalized a promise to Simeon. See, Simeon, there's living in Jerusalem, righteous and devout. See, Simeon was a Jewish man who knew the history of his people. He heard and read about the faith of Abraham. He heard and knows the story that where the God of love spoke out of a burning bush to Moses and delivered him out of darkness with a, with a pillar of fire and cloud. Simeon was aware of the history that God spoke through prophets at many times in many ways. Prophets that said, there's going to be a, a, a prophet greater than Moses. There's going to be a king greater than David and his, his reign will last forever. He knows this. And Simon, uh, Simeon could clearly see the need and feel the need for a savior and for salvation. Not just outwardly because of the occupation of Rome, right? Not just because of that, but because daily he was, he, was, he was righteous and devout. He was in, he was, he was according to the, to the law and the customs and, and the requirements, he was, he was in good standing. He was good. He saw daily the consequences of sin on his people through that lens. Right? He saw the darkness that his brothers and sisters were walking in every day. He could see the effects of depression, of anxiety, of the restlessness at work in, in the children of God. He knew this. He could see this because it was in him. It was in him too. But we also see that Simeon had a relationship with this God of love. The Holy Spirit was on him, spoke to him, moved him. Scripture speaks this way of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament before the coming of Christ, before the completing of the, uh, the work of Christ. Look in the Old Testament. You'll see that language of the Holy Spirit on them, rush upon them. Holy, Holy Spirit clothed her. It's the Holy Spirit's nature being part of the Trinity, nature to reveal invisible things, to bring things into light. And this is, this is how, the, how God personalizes things. The Holy Spirit, his work, he personalizes promises from God to us. That's what happens here. In this song, for our encouragement, we get to see God weaving a personal promise he made to Simeon into the larger promise to provide a Messiah, a savior for the world that God so loved. 
Can you, with me for a sec, can you imagine how sensitive Simeon was to any news, rumors, or ideas about how the Messiah would come? Oh yeah, he was hyper aware. Anytime somebody would talk about this Messiah's gonna come here or this there, that you bet he was like listening because his life was tied to that promise. He was invested in ways that it was so, he was invested in a personal relationship with God with that. I don't like this iPad thing. It moves too easily. But, um, so year after year, Simeon getting older, in his advent, learning how to lean in to those conversations, yearning, like tuning his ear, looking for the distinguished sound, a familiar voice. Does that, does that sound like God? Does that sound like the voice of God that promised me? All while getting older, a new wrinkle here. And then, one day, um, the day happened, right? It looked just like the day before. The Holy Spirit moved. He moved him and said, temple yard, or however he communicated. So Simeon, moved by the Holy Spirit, moved into the Spirit, walked into the temple yard, and what catches his eye? What what fixes? What does he fix his his eye on? A young family walking into the courtyard. Now, he's done this before. He's walked through the courtyard before. You've seen many young Jewish families come up. But this one was different. A sight he has seen his whole life, but this time the promises of God were lining up right before him. Right before his very eyes. And he approached them. He looked at Jesus, took him in his arms. I don't even, I, I wish we had time to get into what Mary and Joseph was thinking at this time, right? But here you have Simeon. Oh, we don't need to imagine what's going on. And actually, we get to read what was going on in his heart. Um, But here he is walking up to a very familiar sight here, a Jewish baby. And he takes him into his arms, lifts him up, seeing his people, seeing himself, seeing this is what? Lifting them up. You know, the average, uh, I looked this up, Google. Um, the average male Jewish baby is seven pounds, seven ounces around there. So that's how he's, this old man picking up baby Jesus. And then we get to see what exploded out of his inner being. A song came out with these lyrics. And we sang it. We read it. My eyes have seen your salvation. And it looks like me. 
and it looks like sinful man? The light of the world. To the whole world. The glory of Israel. You kept your you kept your promises. This is my rest, my peace. Mm. See, and then gave it back. There were some other things. We read it. You should read it. It's amazing. But for Simeon, gave back the baby. Baby got circumcised, did their things, accustomed to the law. And then nothing was ever the same for Simeon. Nothing was ever the same for us. But after that day, like Moses, seeing the burning bush, he, uh, a very familiar sight. Can you imagine, right? You, you, after Moses seen the burning bush, and encountered God in that, and spoke and just set his life on a different course. Every bush that Moses passed, you know he looked at it, double take. You know he did. He's like, hey, is that, is that one on fire? No. Right. So for Simeon to go home, or wherever he was going, you better believe that as he was walking, he is walking in a new reality, a new world, a world where the Savior has come, where in that new reality, as he's walking home, I, the colors are more vibrant. He is riding on the wind, too. Like you could sense, right? Every, every child he sees, he's looking that different. Is that that look like him? Right? Every teenage teenager he saw, is he going to look like that when he gets older? Every Jewish man, is he going to look like that? See, something changed in Simeon. He had eyes now to look for Christ in his people. Because he's seen them. And this, we need to have those eyes. We need these eyes. We need to see this way. To see this way is to be in faith. Listen to Paul, the apostle. You guys know him? In 2 Corinthians, examine yourself whether to see you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Look at the person next to you. Do it, do it, yeah. Do you see Christ? Do you see him? Maybe you're like, no, I just see this guy I was arguing with on the way to church. <laughs> right? I was like this. Or I was like, I was just thinking, like, are you going to do lunch? No. We don't see them because usually we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. 
we see things differently. But the only true reality is how God sees things. That's the only true one. All the rest is us competing, trying to create our own realities. And we do this. How do we see the thing? How do we see things like God sees them? You might not like the answer. I didn't. <laughs> it's trust. We have trust issues. We do. Our heart affects the way we see things. See, we can't see Christ in ourselves or others because it's hard for us to really believe and trust that God is who he says he is and to trust God on who he says we really are. Sometimes we are unaware of how we construct our lenses and how we see the world. But we put so much effort in trying to control how we are seen and how others see us. One of the scariest things on this planet is to let someone else tell you who you are and what they see in you. It's terrifying. <laughs> um, in fact, the only time we usually do it is we wait till we're in a coffin. Right? Then somebody could come up and tell us who we were. As long as we're not, we can't hear that. <laughs> but it's the fear of letting someone see you and know you. That fear is what keeps ourselves and our relationships shallow, short-sighted, and small. But God sees things truly as they are. We're on this side. Well, we're looking back. We're seeing Christ has come. Christmas is every day, right? That the work that Christ has done is complete. We're on this side. So, but by grace, through faith, trust, we are all now sons and daughters of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This might be a weird question, and you could just do this if you don't want to fully, like, or just give me, like, I think, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. We've all had that sense of somebody watching us, right? Like, you have that, like, and then you look across the room, and you're like, oh, I was being watched. Usually, like, uh, um, someone who loves you, right, across the room, you just know that love gives. I do that with my kids all the time. I'm sure they catch me like, what is wrong with my dad? Why is he like, 
Do you ever have that feeling when you're by yourself? All right. I'm weird, but this is, this is where it comes for me. When I'm grilling, <laughs> when I'm behind the barbecue, the universe is right. No, um, this one time I remember, I don't remember what I was cooking, but I just had this overwhelming sense. I mean, I looked up and it was, everything just seemed right. And I just like, like I was at peace, right? Okay with at that moment. I'm convinced that is the Holy Spirit and God giving you those moments of like, I see you. I see you and I love you. When I look at you, it's not like some disappointed father who says, dang it kid, just get your stuff together so I can love you better. No. In those moments, God, I have always loved you. This, God no longer deals with us on the basis of our sin. He deals with us on the basis of our trust in him and who he says we are. This Christmas, you will experience the love of God to the degree in which you trust him. And that isn't just this way. We could only experience each other's love to the degree in which we trust each other. And the best commentary of how you receive love from God is how you love each other. How we love each other. Especially when it's difficult. This time of the year, it's very difficult for us because we're looking at all angles the past, not only the Advent, but our own history. Christmas is of the past, when we were together more tight, when it seemed different, right? looking at the future. What is the future going to be? But God could only be experienced right now. He's there in the future. He's, yeah, he's the end. And we can look back clearly see him. But to experience God, we can only do it now. And how do we experience God? How do we see Christ in us now? By, very similar to what we did, looking, waiting for the appearance of Christ. Not on our own terms, not how we fashioned him. Because he comes to us, oh my goodness, sometimes he comes to us, young Jewish baby boy. But sometimes he'll come to you by your best friend knocking on your door, saying, hey, I know this time's hard for you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know this time's hard for you. And I want to give you a hug. Because I love you. And I see you. Christ. It's Christ right there. Christ is in the familiar. Sometimes he's putting on a star on the tree. 
watching these cheesy Christmas videos with your family, you better believe Christ can be found there. Do we have eyes for him? We approach, as we approach this Christmas, how we prepare our hearts to make room to see Christ is by letting people see us too. Letting people see us exactly where we're at. How do we see Christ? With humility. And humility is letting somebody in exactly where you're at. Try to dress it up. You don't need all the words. You could just say, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know how to say where I'm at. But I need to be seen. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal Christ in us. And that's the, bit, that's the greatest gift that we could give each other. It's the greatest gift you could give your kid, your wife, your best friend, is when you look at them in their eyes and say, you know, I see God right here in your life. I see Christ right here. Because a lot of us don't. A lot of us view ourselves through an old lens. Because we don't know how to fully let go. It's hard to let go and trust that. To take on how God says I am fully beloved, fully accepted, that when he looks at you, he sees Christ already? We could give that to others. It doesn't need to be a fancy gift, but it's a gift that will like touch our souls. It's a gift that is what Christmas is about. There's, talk about love and Christmas. Sometimes I feel like a Hallmark movie. It's like so cheesy. It could go cheesy really quick. But no. All love starts real cheesy. We need it. But as we let go of what we think love is and how it should be displayed, it takes us deep and down where everything is love. Everything is Christ. We, we need him to appear in us. We need him to appear in our homes, however it is right now. Because for when Christ, who is our life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. Out of that life, out of that glory, we give hope, faith, and love. So, we have, you know, we have these men's groups. I do these men's groups. We, we read scripture, sure. We pray. But it's geared for practicing how to be seen. Practicing how to receive others' gaze upon you. That started at home with my kids. 
practicing to let my kids see me. Because if it doesn't work at home, it's not going to work. Whatever your home looks like, whatever you're doing home with, start there. If you're brave enough and have enough integrity, ask somebody, how am I affecting you? What do you see in me? And have enough courage and integrity not to try to rearrange their words to fit what you think you should look like. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of all prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. God wants to love you. God wants you to receive his love as he's giving it. Without it, what are we? What are we? We were birthed in love. Our whole life is sustained by his love. You better believe as we step out into the greater life, it is that same love that's going to greet us and carry us on. So this Christmas, love each other by seeing Christ in each other and letting people see Christ in you. Let's pray. Father, we don't know how to love. That's why you've loved us first. We, need it. we needed it modeled. And you are so good at loving that when, we, when you love us, you tell us to share and give that away. And you are so good that when we do love like you, we get to feel like you. We get to feel like what you feel like all the time when you give and when you're compassionate and when you forgive and when you reach out. That amazing feeling, that amazing life, who you are, you share who you are with us. Father, will you help us unlearn how we have loved that does not reflect you? Will you help us be willing to let down how we see things, to let them go, and to trust that you see things different? You see us different because we are different. We have changed by the power and the miracle of Calvary. This year, this Christmas, as we look forward, help us, Lord. Help us live in that, move in that, and see that. Knowing that for us, Christmas is every day. Bless your people. 
In Jesus' name, amen.